What is up, everyone? Jammers in the Rough is live. I am slowly catching my breath because last weekend was an absolute scorcher of a tournament, and I'm still recovering from it mentally. I didn't play it, obviously, because I was here in Portland, didn't get in this year. There was a lot of people asking, so I just wanted to clarify that up. But it was an amazing tournament. As always, we have our amazing co-hosts here with us. We have Josh, the Jammers It. What? I'm Jammers I, IT. Oh, ja- Jammers it. IT. Sorry, I was like, because, you know, there's the whole disc <laughs> It, the new Innova It. So I was like, oh, the Jammers It. Um, sorry, Winter's here. And we have, as always, the absolute worst, Cody Waldron. I am a little frazzled today, and I don't know why. Um, maybe I wasn't prepared to talk to you all. Let me fix this because the glare. Nope, that made it worse. Anyways, but let's just jump into it. Vegas, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Your initial I mean, gut reactions, male, female? I mean, as far as MPO goes, my gut reaction is like it's a story of the sad, sad world of AB. Every single time he's doing well, final rounds, we've all seen it. You know, how many times of AB just crashing hard? I think a lot of it had to do with some some head stuff, but it's just sad. I want that boy to like get a solid win because he's really he's one of the best we have. He's a he can bomb, he's good at the trees, but sometimes that final round pressure gets him, and it's like it's what you saw in Vegas, and it sucked to see. No, it was definitely a breakout tournament for Barella, though, like to be on that mm-hmm. stage and show that he belongs with a new bag. I think that's more of the important factor because I think in one of his posts he made, he was talking about how like he was still learning how to trust some of his discs and some of that crazy wind. But with how crazy that weather, he was like really stepping up and showing it in a big way because it wasn't just like one thing that was off for him. Like usually it's like, oh, Barella's putting needs to be fixed if he wants to compete. Like he was hitting some really big putts. He was playing extremely disciplined. Um, a lot of unfortunate things didn't go his way. Um, but yeah, also like the fact that he's there. I do. Um, there was a comparison I was making about Barella early this week because we start to see like patterns throughout history of like, oh, if we have a Simon Lazat, there might be a showman that comes along to kind of replace him, right? You had Ken Climo, the goat, to Paul Macbeth, the new goat, and then. You know, there'll be somebody to fill that slot in time, you know, and you see it throughout sports. And, you know, with Barilla, I feel like with him being so young, I remember Drew Gibson when he was about that age um, or like four or five years ago. I don't know how old he, how, how, how old these kids really are, but like Drew Gibson, where there's like there's a long time of people waiting and wanting Drew Gibson to explode and make that name for himself. And they kept like every year, like, oh, this could be Drew Gibson's year. Oh, this could be Drew Gibson's year. And, you know. He won the Portland Open, and then four years later, he won Vegas last year, or three years, whatever it was. Um, And so for me, my big fear with Barella is not only does he have a great relationship with Drew Gibson, but is he going to replace that Drew Gibson where everyone's just waiting for him to have that breakout year, and he's so close time and time again, and then Waco comes, and he just drops all the way back down, or... You know, so it's like I'm really hoping he breaks some of that that away and carves a name for himself without just being because right now he's compared to a lot of people, right? His 
his glasses. So people are like, oh, you got to give Barsby back his shades. His logo <laughs> looks a little bit like Barsby's. And now he's hanging out with Joe Gibson and having similar putting woes as Joe Gibson while being known as an absolute crusher. Um, also being, you know, so it's like, for me, it's just like, oh man, like I really hope he figures it out because I think he's definitely due for it. But I said that for the last like three years with Joe Gibson and he finally at least bailed me out in Vegas last year. But since then, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, what do you get? Fourth? I think I got fourth. Yeah. He tied for fourth. So that's yeah, still but a solid like, finish. Oh, solid finish. I'm not saying that he hasn't been successful because Drew Gibson has been extremely successful and one of three people that signed million dollar contracts. I'm not saying he hasn't made a name for himself. I'm saying like when it comes to like breaking through on the winner's circle and constantly winning and proving that you belong in the top five conversation um, hasn't happened, you know, because Heinberg, we're all yeah. waiting for Heinberg to break through and then he wins however many last year and then he just wins now and he's winning again. Eagle, there was that major drought and everybody was waiting for the major drought to be answered and then he won Euro Open and he's starting to win other tournaments. So it's like now he's kind of breaking through that and we're waiting for more majors to come for Eagle. You know, and Drew Gibson, we're still waiting for him to show that he can be a consistent threat to win any given tournaments. And I don't think that's been proven quite yet. I, I think it's a good start, though. Like, you know, coming into the season, ending in fourth, that's a solid finish for the first tournament of the year. And somebody who's, I feel like, not getting a lot of hype lately for his finishing at Las Vegas was Kyle Klein. Like, Kyle Klein sneakily got tied fourth with Gibson. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, beating out no the other two. at all. He had none. Right. I, I didn't even know he got tied for fourth. But that's yeah, kind of my point, too, right, with Klein. Like, the reason he doesn't get a lot of coverage isn't because people, like, you look at last year, he was a constant top 10 finisher. But somebody of that caliber, people aren't wanting to be fourth. They want to see him on lead card. They want to see him battling for first. They want to see him win. Um, and when he's not doing that, ultimately the expectations that are going on behind him starts to be a little bit like diminished. And then you see somebody like now excitement gets happened with Barella because here's a breakthrough and here's the possibility that he has a big year. Oh, here's Ezra Aderhold finishing strong again at Vegas. Maybe he'll have a strong year because there's still excitement at the possibilities for them. But Drew Gibson getting fourth, I feel like there's less excitement because, hey, he started winning last year and he didn't really follow it up with another win. So it's like this year he's starting three spots back. Does that going to equate to a better season when he's disappointed that expectation for four years? That's kind of my point. Um, and Barella being able to choose that for himself of how he wants to approach the season and see how it's going to play out because there is excitement for Barella still being so young, finishing college, getting on tour. He won um, an A tier earlier this year with this craft. He made lead card with this craft. Now people want to see him be successful. Is he going to rise to that challenge or is he going to crumble? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he falls victim to the head game far too often when we have other pros out there who can shake off things a lot easier than AB. And I feel like that's what's holding him back from that breakthrough is the head game. I mean, I feel like when that, that spotter, you know, we, when AB is, hit... With the, the hit Bushnell rangefinder? That's not yeah, a spotter. <laughs> it wasn't a spotter. He was, uh, he was a Bushnell rangefinder. <laughs> oh, well, the Bushnell rangefinder person, you know, getting hit and then it going out of bounds or in, I guess it be... 
bunker. bunker. Went to a bunker. bunker. Bunker golf. I mean, I feel like that set him back. I feel like he got pissed off, and I think he had a hard time getting out of that. Yeah, how do you because... recover from that? I don't know if I could. Kind of like Kevin Jones. Like, if you look at it at Portland Open, when he took that, he could have still won after that, like, roll away and that that score, but it's so hard to mentally recover from that that you, you have to do it in four holes. Barella had to do it in, like, you know, the next, literally the next hole to get right back on, and then sometimes you just can't. That was definitely unfortunate. Yeah, it was. And then it happened to, who was it? Uh, oh, it was, it was Kat. It was Katrina, uh, and it was the same yeah. dude. He was beside the cart. <laughs> yeah. Bushnell I, man is not very lucky when it comes true. to being I feel, out of bounds. I feel bad for him, though, because, like, they gave him the job to look down that rangefinder, and, like, you should be more aware where the lines are, are and get out of the way. Um, he was just what looking you, at the wrong time. But what do you hear every tournament? Like, every time somebody like Barella crushes it and the cameraman turns, Nate Sexton's like, you know it's a crush when the cameraman turns, which mm-hmm. means the cameraman's usually standing out of the range of mere, like, 90%, 99% of people that are there. And so this guy sent it by the cameraman and like, so he's thinking like, what, I should be fine because most people can't reach this cameraman because everything that we've heard before is what, oh, when he turns around, it's an absolute crush. And so it's like, by the time it was for like, how do you react to a, a flat object? Let me see. How do you react to a flat object flying at you 70, like 70 must miles per hour while you're looking down the rangefinder? It's like, you just hope to get hit when... What was the whole 17? Barella and Eagle blasted the audience. Mm-hmm. You just stand there and hope you don't get smacked. You're not going to be like, all right, guys, dog, dodge, you know, because it's coming at you 70 miles per hour. And in a split second, you hope you can dodge. And you've seen it, right? You've seen it on coverage where people are like, oh, 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 and they dodge it. But when you're looking down a bush now, you just hope to not get hit and hope that that reaction is not severe um, if you do get hit, right? Because if it would have been, a foot to the left, he's in bounds, and then he might be able to recover because he can still maybe score on that par four um, because he's so far up there. But you just kind of like, you know, sometimes you're going to take your lumps because there's nothing I can do. You know, so I, I feel I feel for the guy. But and, the, who, yeah. and who knows, like, maybe he was like, maybe Bush, they, they told him like, hey, can you get us the distance somewhere else? And he might have not been looking directly at the throwers. Who knows what they had him doing. And like you said, he he should have been out of range of most people, most. But and then Drew Gibson, did you see what Drew Gibson did? Um, He's see, selling right. hoodies. Oh yeah, I yes. saw that. Yeah. Like oh yeah. man, like the dude's got it tough enough. You don't have to do that to him. That's just mm. Mm. yeah. I mean, it's a it's a brutal brutal thing to do, but it's also like in honor of AB and. It's just kind of a funny thing to, to monetize for sure. Just the whole thing though, like the whole idea of getting robbed, you know, like yeah. you're you're peppering a disc out there and you smack somebody, especially when the rules say these guys are to be treated like trees. So if you act like he's a tree there, nobody's gonna get mad if they smack the tree and go to the hazard. Yeah. And you brought it into play when you threw. Um yeah. it, just like you know. There's the, the random bushes or the random shrubs all the way down the fairway. Like, you know, there's a possibility of you hitting something out there. And 
if you look at it as that, I don't think anyone would be like, oh my God, Barella got robbed. He hit the tree, landed in the hazard. Because that happened all tournament when you see people <laughs> like, oh, they, they roll out of bounds. That's unfortunate. They got robbed. Like, no, you're not saying that. And, you know, so. That's like referees in football. Like if 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 you're playing an NFL game and you throw a, a pass and it hits a ref. Yeah. If it plays off, if it plays off them, it plays off them. But if it hits the ground, it's done. Yeah. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. That's all sports, yeah. right? Refs are part yeah, of even the field. baseball. Baseball, if it goes off the umpire, it's a live ball. Mm-hmm. And that's like some the, games too. Did you see the response from uh, the TD? Yeah, the TD was not happy. Uh 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 uh. What did he say? Like, so Drew Drew Gibson is marketing a hoodie, making fun of one of our amazing volunteers, Colin. You know, no one knew his name till now. Uh, Colin Hayden, CH Sports, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, Colin, who was who was just doing <laughs> what the DG PT asked him to do. <laughs> Oh, just man. throwing it's one just... of our sponsors under the bus. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, he goes on saying that yeah. you know Drew Gibson is just trying to to monetize it basically, and he's asking everyone to blow up Drew Gibson. And basically, <laughs> so Drew like you know retweets it, and it's like that you know this is harassment if you're asking everyone to like just come attack me. And I believe this is yeah, this is the TD of you know of the tournament. And so I get where everyone's coming from. I see both sides of the coin. Like I see why Drew takes this funny, um, you know, friendly banter with, with AB saying, I'm going to make a shirt, say four. It's not really saying anything about that guy, except for he was the one that did it. And I see this person saying, well, you're just blasting a picture of one of our awesome volunteers and just to make money off of it. And so it's like that weird gray line where who's right. What's funny. I think it's all funny, but. Well, it's um, like the volunteer page too. So it's not like the guy is like using his platform to push it out there. The volunteer page probably has all of the volunteers. And granted, mm-hmm. I don't think you should try to like rally and bring your your pitchforks and everything out there. But it's like, you know, he's asking for the volunteers to support one of their own for an unfortunate example, while somebody is obviously trying to monetize off of it. And for Drew Gibson to be like, oh, I meant no harm to the kid with the city. It literally says four. It's like, no, you meant harm because you used the image. You used the image of the person. You shared a picture of the kid like, looking yeah. dejected in a bunker. Exactly. Yeah. I think the mistake, though, Scott should not have named him because nobody no. knows this guy's <laughs> name. Nobody knows who he is. The moment you name him, there's a person, and then you can get a lot yeah. of trolls out there who can figure out who this Colin volunteer was. Um, Colin Hayden. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Right. Colin Hayden. Spread yeah, the word. It's Colin Hayden. I don't he's think there's a show. Check out his stuff. Also, when he's it, a dirtbag. When it comes to Barella, I don't think there's anything like like just really unfortunate, right? There's not like there's no easy way to kind of identify and pick this apart. But when it comes to the golf cart for cat, that's yeah. where like like clearly you like we're not bringing in people there. So like the gallery's not there. There's a reason why the gallery is not there because it's probably going to come into play. So who okayed the cart to be there? That's something that probably Colin. You know, he was yeah, there. Probably, probably, probably Colin. Colin. Like, I need to ride out of here. <laughs> Colin, like, that's where right it's like, here. It pans over and he's still there. Like, oh man, Colin. Because that was still very much in play on that whole thing. And if you watch all of the holes before that, whoever played that hole, usually somebody is bringing like whatever card. Usually somebody's bringing that area into play. So you should have yeah. known to park this cart somewhere else because it's not a part of the fairway. 
like what's unfortunate with this it's just literally in a spot that it should not have been like ever and that's where something like i could be more critical of like say that volunteer and the organization that put on that show because you know if you have ropes marking all of the walking paths for all of the gallery you can take a few minutes to set up ropes to where you can park the golf cart that it shouldn't come into play you know and Granted, there's yeah. going to be times where, like, uh, Drew Gibson was around one where it was like hole 18. He blasted the fence and he went past the fence and went past the audience. And he was at the the um, vendor's booth with his disc. Like, that happens. That's unfortunate. Nothing, the cart being there would not have made a play. But on a very specific ferry where out of bounds comes in so quickly on that green, um, making sure that that cart had a marked path to where to park wouldn't have been much effort. And I'm sure that's going to be changed moving forward, obviously, because you can't let it happen again um, because it's just a terrible look. But that was a crush. Like that had so much potential of being parked the way it was coming in, the angle it was for that skip off the pavement. Like, I mean, if, if Cat would have lost, it would have been a, little, a lot bigger of a deal. Yeah, but that's yeah. the easy, that's the low hanging fruit, right? If Cat would have lost and you jump straight to the cart, and don't jump to like, oh, hey, you three-putted here. Oh, hey, you tried to lay up and land it on the green here. And that's just people trying to take the low-hanging fruit about why they crumbled. Like, you know, Kevin Jones, for example. A lot of people were trying to jump on, like, uh, Kevin Jones losing. But it's like, here's somebody on the top of the level competition who chose to play safe for eight holes like he had the lead. And you had a beast of a Heimberg who was attacking since hole one. And so it's like, I can't fault Heimberg or Kevin Jones for losing the way he did because that's how he chose to play his final stretch, you know? Um, and so being able to kind of give voice to some of these things that there is other impacts outside of these cards that impacted the results of all of this tournament. Um, like same thing with Barilla. Like when you're going to try to throw as far as he can constantly and you can't control 100% of the flight, sometimes you got to realize like, some of these things that are going to be unfortunate are going to come into play. And that was the choice you made by choosing this throw because Sexton's proven it over and over again, that you don't have to throw 800 feet, 700 feet, go for the Eagle to win these tournaments. Like Sexton was a LVC winner four or five years ago. And yeah. And so it's like, yeah. So it's been proven that you don't need that. So he made that choice for himself. So anyways, so, like, I don't ever fault anybody in the mi middle of competition. Like, Eagle McMahon, for example, like, them, like, him and Barella's round were very similar on that final day, almost like mirroring each other shot for shot. Um, and when Barella hit that cameraman, it was the only kind of difference. But then you still see hole 17, they both turn it over and bring the audience into play. Like, there's just so many factors that are going on that you can't, like, it's so easy to blame one. But there's four days, 18 holes, and just countless choices being like micro decisions being made leading to that result. Like Eagle, like I, I go back in like back to the whole one. Eagle and Heimberg land almost identical spots away from the basket. Eagle chooses to lay up and be safe. Heimberg <laughs> runs his putt, bangs it. And that already was a conscious choice about how they're gonna attack this final round. Heinberg just kept attacking, hitting putts. Every time Eagle laid up, Heinberg was hitting a putt. When it became safe, like 
KJ's playing safe, there was like three holes where Heimberg got the birdie on the final like eight. Mm-hmm. Final seven, sorry. Final seven, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, eight. Yeah, I was right. Final eight holes. There was uh, three holes where Heimberg got the birdie and Kevin Jones didn't even go for it. Like hole 17, Heimberg ties it up. Heimberg is 45 feet away, 50 feet away, which is within his range. Kevin Jones sees that. And what does Kevin Jones do? He throws mid range. Okay. Yeah. So you like, and granted, Heinberg didn't hit that putt, but Heinberg's showing that he's going for things. So you choose to be safe. Hole 18 comes by. Heinberg, you know, plays to a miss, left it way too straight, but had the distance across. KJ saw that. And instead of being like, let me secure a par, he does like a little half committed, like safe shot, which drops out of the air, um, puts him in a position. Because everyone, even that second shot, like the, the announcers are like, oh, you never see that happen. That should have cut rolled out of bounds, and you never saw that happen. It cut rolls back, which gave him a chance to throw in. Like, there's so many little things on that final 18 or that that whole 18 that could have went like just a different way for KJ. There wasn't a lot for Heinberg that could have went differently. Um, yeah, but KJ, so, like on that that final shot, you know, to tie it up or put the pressure on Heinberg, it's like hitting top of basket like from that far away oh, that was like, huge i loved doing. it i mean that alone was i was like, laughing shows... at the oh go ahead go ahead sorry i was gonna say it shows that kevin jones isn't the b tier uh pro that prodigy thinks they have he's a tier <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right he definitely belongs up there but like that moment like i don't know i was kind of laughing at the the uh what is it? The the just DGA live commercials where they're like they're watching behind their phone. They're like, oh, so and so has a lined up, and they're like, oh, like it's a commercial because they're like trying to hype the live experience. And I was like, I don't know who the hell watches live disc golf, and they're like, it's round three. You know, Barella's setting up. He hits his putt. Let's go! Like, and so I was kind of laughing at that corniness. But then here we are in the whole eighteen, and you watch KJ line up his like throw in to try to save par and hits basket and it's just like oh my god that was an exciting moment and granted i'm not like cheering uncontrollably about to wreck my car or anything it's just in that moment it was like i can see the commercial there but that's like one yeah. moment <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a bit opposite of that because i am somebody who gets really into the disc golf live feed and i'll be like having it up on work and i'll be yelling like I get into it. Oh, you're one I of love, those guys. I love it. I am one of those guys. I get into it. When I see a I good shot. I did watch it with my students last year. You're I put probably it up a, on the screen on the projector. We watch it. You're probably a very uh, vocal lover. Very Whoa. vocal lover. <laughs> 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 Just all uh, like Paul Rudd. I Rudd do not need to hear this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a Jammers After Dark. We'll do it at midnight. <laughs> Jammers After Dark featuring Lurk in his head. <laughs> hmm. But now, wait, sorry, uh, Cody Lurch is uh, the TSA team captain. He was on our podcast last week. I know you you weren't weren't sure of who he was, so I thought I'd remind who, you. Me? Yeah, Lurch is the guy that said he didn't want to pick me for the team. He said no, no. Yeah, because you weren't his friend. <laughs> oh, I'm taken. Now I wanted to go back to Devil's Advocate about the cart on a cart path. It's OB. 
Yeah, but the cart path is in play on the fairway. So, like, no matter what it is, like, yes, it's out of bounds, but it still brings into play of, like, skip shots. There's a lot of things that were brought into play, especially on that green, on that cart path in particular. But do you think she saw the cart before she threw? Oh, I think that's irrelevant. Like, I mean. Mm -hmm. But wait, what if we're throwing devil's advocate here? What if we're throwing something and you know something's out of bounds and it's it was a tree or something? Are you going to blame the tree? Because if I saw it before I threw, it's a it's a golf cart on a cart path. Yeah, I'm not it saying it wasn't a bad break, and it's not drive. Bad. It was still like probably not their line, their intended line. There, but also that's like when you see all of that, you take into account everything. Tree being one of them, but that wasn't a tree. That was a foreign object. Whereas like the argument with the tree, with the cameraman and the Bushnell guy, is because they were purposely placed there. So that was supposed to be there. This cart. Wasn't there because it wasn't there before, and it wasn't I'm there. I'm saying, after. was it there during her drive? Because may, oh, it's I'm not like just, it just pulled up in her drive and was like, "We're gonna park here and f her up." And well, then it was drove there away. in her drive, <laughs> and she probably saw the like, car just right for it. Yeah, they're, but... they're just moving into it. If they yeah. actually drove into her disc, that'd be more funny. But what? But what if it did skip off that and it didn't come back and bounce? Yeah, I mean, those are all all factors. But I'm somebody that doesn't like to argue hypotheticals that didn't happen well i, I like, well, to, here's I like to argue what was you're there. arguing a hypothetical that didn't happen by arguing because it didn't happen <laughs> it hit the cart and dropped maybe it, so, yeah. maybe who knows who knows we'd be, we'd be having a very Collar similar conversation disc and yeeted it out of bounds himself yeah He's who was distraught. it uh, was that henna that almost hit the ghost or the the ghost the, the like ghost, ghost? <laughs> where we have spectral spectral beings out on the course now Yes, yes we do. But who was it? Was it Henna that almost hit it? Hit the goose? Oh, I think the goose did get hit though. I'm thinking a goose did get hit. There was a maybe, goose that got maybe hit. Maybe that goose is now a ghost. Maybe it's a ghost of a goose that was hit. Like, didn't Joe Gibson hit a goose? I'm talking about the one that kind of flew through the air with the FPO and just barely dodged the disc. Oh, I can. Oh, I cannot remember who that was. I apologize. And. Well, we'll just say the FPL player that almost hit the goose. Like, okay. the point to that is, like, you know, that's a, that's an unlucky circumstance that ultimately they would have had to deal with. They would have had to play from where that disc lied and been unfortunate. The cart, so you're right. There was a... selling a hoodie of a goose. Goose gate. Goose gate. Goose was in the way. The, yeah, I do want a stamp with, like, a goose on there with just a disc drilling a waterfowl. It'd probably be like an Aaron Goshen stamp. <laughs> that's that's a money maker, Paige. That is the stuff we need you for. This crap. <laughs> are you listening? Pay Aaron Gossage, Are you listening? Is anyone listening to our podcast? <laughs> I wish someone right now just Facebook user. No, oh, Facebook man. user, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but we got I'm a kidding. yes. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I know that's a lot of what people when they think about Vegas talked about or wanted to talk about, but for me, there was a bigger thing that happened on day two than any of this, which is first pro tour of the year. The first lead card of the year had all new bag are all new manufacturer sponsors and fresh bags. And everyone, every year, somebody signs, there's like, there's going to be this learning period for these discs, but for the very first one, all new bag sponsors. You had Scott Withers with Team Clash. You had um, James Proctor with Thought Space Athletics. 
You had I'm Barella with Discraft, and who am I missing? I'm who was the other one second round? Well, it's gonna bug me. It was Proctor Withers, A B, and now wow, I forgot, it, and I just watched it. Bringing up second round, you don't even know. It wasn't Simon. Know. No, not Simon. Let's see. It would have no, been. Oh, it was Simon. It was Simon. No, it would have been. No, uh... it was Simon with MVP. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Simone. Yeah. So I was right, even though I thought I was wrong. No, you're and so, wrong. but like that, like we've never had that before. It just happened this weekend. Like that's a huge moment in disc golf right there because there's a lot of hesitancy for new players. And also a lot of fandom where it's like, oh, Simon's leaving Discmania. Is he going to be viable with MVP? And they're like, oh, he's a professional thrower. He'll be fine throwing anything. And they're like, no, he's still that first run PD for 10 years. He's not going to be okay. And so I think he with a moment a like garbage can and be fine. <laughs> but I think there's moments like these throughout sports history where it's important to take note and how it plays like repercussions because what a lot of people were racing for open bag because they can throw anything. Well, now they're showing like the viability of just switching sponsors and being okay and being successful because, like we talked about before, plastic is just that good right now that it's hard to be like Innova is the only one that's crafting superior discs, and it's it's not. But I do laugh, or I don't laugh, but like Scott Withers went right back to the Cloudbreaker one, went right back to P twos. <laughs> I thought that was awesome to see. So you do have something to be said about some of these old traditional discs being still really good and viable when you can choose anything in the world and they choose these things. But is that what's comfortable for him? Because he had success with P2s and Cloudbreaker 1s, but that doesn't mean that someone couldn't, Simon couldn't have success with an Octane or Tangent or, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's comfortability factor on it. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying there's something to be said like, New plastic is good. My point is old plastic still is good and viable and worth exploring. Oh, yeah. I'm all for it. All for it. It was Henna. I was right. Boom. What Boom. I thought someone said Paul actually hit a goose. AJ said Paul. No, Henna's but Henna's the one Henna was the yeah. FPO where the like uh-huh. they threw and then it was like the disc was here and the goose was like right behind it. Like um, Randy Johnson? Remember that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Randy no. Johnson, the it's the MLB oh, pitcher oh, oh, that he yeah. threw a pitch and a bird came through and the ball and the bird met and the bird exploded. It was, it was almost that, but the mm. bird dodged it. But yeah. Then so it was Paul that hit the goose and Henna mm. the one that missed. Okay. Duck dick duck disc goose. I mean, come on, there's so many things these people could be making stamps of. Long, yeah. But <laughs> but there was a there was a hot take in the in in one of the groups. That was saying stamps are ruining this golf. <laughs> you almost said it. You wanted to say it. Well, of course, you're I wanted gonna, to say just, it. Now you're doing a hot take. You're oh trying to. People hot are take wild. People are take. wild. People are but, wild. That's not a hot take. That's just a joke. Yeah. Now Paige. Like, <laughs> now he's on Team TSA. He's just getting all hurt. He's like, no, you don't talk my stamps down. Oh, it doesn't. No. It doesn't have to be because of TSA. It's just art in general is such a big part. I feel of disc golf now, and it's an important part. Well, like uh, that's a thing, like in life, yeah, and that's a that's a thing. That's why I have shelves of discs. That's why, you know, like stamps are a part of that, but also the economy of like disc golf relies on that. Because if everything's stock, then all of a sudden Paul Macbeth isn't getting 
you know, tour series, this and that to take care of it. You don't have, you know, Chris Nelson who gets the, the J coming out. You don't get him, you know, getting supported because they're all just stock runs and everybody has access to that. And so it's like, it's a great way to support people, but Cody looks like he's about to blow a few. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause here. And... <laughs> no, but did you hear the commercials that they had? Like all they had all the pro players like, oh, yeah, my favorite disc to throw is the stock blend, blah, blah, blah. This, that like more than one or two people were like when they did the commercials between it's like, yeah, I, my favorite disc so far has been the stock, the stock zone. So either Discraft has a bunch of stock crap they need to move or something because a couple players were like, yeah, my favorite disc is the stock stamp, blah, blah, blah. Like what's going yeah, on? But like, then that's you, also like. They still have to sell discs for their manufacturers. So, like, how much of that's like it's on a commercial? So, obviously, they're being paid and forced to be there. Like, when Joe Mess started out and they're all gambling, I don't really sit here and believe that Alton Harris is laying down a sick cad in poker. Like, sometimes they're paid you to be there and paid to say it? these things. Like, I'm pretty sure stock stamp discs are at an all time low. And sells because that's what I'm way- saying. So they're trying to push them. So they're getting their pros to say like, "Hey, stock stamps are the best stamps." Yeah, like the pros aren't even getting to push their own tour series stuff. Their company wants them to push their stock stuff. But then, like, who's what are we excited about right now at Innova? Watching Girthy and Heinberg throw the fucking juggernaut. That is a Halo. That's not going to be a stock disc, and it's a brand new one. That's what moves discs. They're already selling for like 100 bucks on Facebook. Exactly. I don't get excited about the Zone OS. Yeah, the Zone OS. Oh, Zone OS. Okay. Yeah. So, like, Juggernaut is a new disc. Um, Zone OS is a new disc that everyone's excited about. That's what moves the needle and that's what sells. And I think Dismania figured that out early. And now, you know, they're like falling victim to their own publicity that, that got them in their own hype that got them because it's like they used to hype up things like, you know, uh, Nate Perkins, Night Strike One, everyone buy this, limited to plastic, and everybody buy it. Um, but now all of a sudden, you know, they're like, hey, baseline stock uh, S-line PDs, who's going to buy it? And everyone's just like, why do I want stock when there's Lone Hell 3s on there? We know there's going to be a PD, like Nordic Phenom 2 coming out. Like, why buy this when I could buy that? And Is there and a so- Nordic Phenom 2 coming out? There has to be. There probably is because they like Antilla deserves to be supported still on tour. Yep. True. He is a big part of it. He is huge in Europe and he's made a big splash last year. I'm excited for when he comes back. Yeah. I heard the Nordic Phenoms kind of flew like the old pinned S runs, right? That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Glidey, not too. I mean, still stability, but not. They had some flip to them. Yep. Hmm. And so, they, and OS, what the heck is a Zone OS? Like, it's an overstable zone. I, okay, thanks, <laughs> you moron. I mean, my like, guess is, <laughs> my guess, it's kind of filling. Like, funny enough, I think it stems from Scott Withers partially, because um, of his gear. Scott, yeah, like Scott Withers last year was looking for something more overstable than in his zone, but not as fast as a Quake, and they couldn't really figure, fill that slot. And you know, well, I bet like you Barella can probably he probably needs some stability in that exactly. Spot. And so, like, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where, like, it stems from, at least from my my perspective as a fan and, like, seeing that. And then they kind of molded it. They saw the success of the Captain's Raptor, that it could be ridiculously overstable and people still want to buy it and have a use for it. 
Um, and they need a Justice, they need a Ursus, they need a Gator in their lineup. And Zone OS made sense rather than being like, you know, here's a new mold. It's the, I don't know, whatever. So, the Malta, whatever the heck that is. Exactly. They should have just bought Terminal Velocity, a buyout, a, a hostile takeover <laughs> Terminal Velocity. Sacramento, they're coming for you. Have you Can ever felt the, a Malta? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, is it, it's kind of beat. like a Neo method. Like the one That's I exactly what like, I was going to say. It's very method-like. But doesn't that doesn't have a big-ass beat on it? It does have a big ass bead. Yeah, a method has yeah. one too. A method has a big ass bead as well. What? No, it does not. You have a rack of disc, you jabber. How do you Aren't know? You no, vintage admin used yeah, to sell a these on stamps. There's, I'm pretty sure. I, under, I understand, but I just haven't. Thrown, I don't think you do there. understand, Joshua. I never made the bag. I don't look, know. There it is. Look, look. I got it. That's no, a big ass no. bead. Uh, fake news. And that's a method. If you want something stupid overstable, you put beads on them. They're just beads. A Justice has a bead. An Ursus has a bead. A Malta has a bead. If this Zone OS has a bead, I don't want to touch it because beads are trash for the most part. I'm not a big bead fan. I like beads. Oh, I mean, this does have a bead, this method, but not as big as the Malta. Do you this have a Malta? This, this, is, this is just Do a you bead. Have a Malta. Find a Malta and compare them. I do have one. You two talk away while I look for it. It's just a big ass bead. Nobody the Malta was supposed to be like a rock, rock three, and so like it's gonna have a bead. Man, the rock threes I threw were never that overstable. Honestly, I... they're overstable. They're just not torque resistant, and I think a lot of people mis like misunder are they they don't understand the difference of overstability and torque. Like when Macbeth steps up and says a Luna is overstable, <clears throat> I'm likely to believe him as a creator of the Luna. And when he throws it, you see it come back. But what the Luna isn't is torque resistant. So if you put any type of torque in it, it just poof and turns on you. And then you're like, well, why doesn't mine fly like it? It's supposed to be overstable. People grab a zone and they're like, oh, this is overstable. But because it happens to be torque resistant, they just associate like overstability with that. And so what makes the disc torque resistant? I mean, I, I, know, I know what you're yeah. saying, but I wonder what's like, how do they build that into a disc? I, 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 I honestly don't know because like the praxis like the way i used to throw wasn't torque resistant but the way i'm throwing now it's definitely overstable hmm. maybe it's true stability it's not overstable it kind of holds any line and then slowly drifts but still but well, like that's i like used saying to... is something that's a zero zero is that stable yeah exactly it's supposed I, to be like that's the mako which is flippy it yeah. just has like More no like turn. A mind bender. A mind bender is zero zero. A Mako three is zero zero. Yeah. They're not torque resistant, but they're sure as heck stable. And they like are true to those numbers. Like my mind bender is so straight when I throw it correctly, but the moment I put any type of torque and then it's a I can forehand mine pretty well. Yeah. That's and that's off angle torque. That's a whole different conversation. Ooh, off angle. Oat? We're we gonna get crazy in here. We're we gonna drop some uh <laughs> some talking about oats nouns. <laughs> But I think that's just things? that's the way people like because you look at like uh, the construct, the Maria Oliva construct. I'm in mm. love with it right now. The thing oh, isn't no. very torque resistant, but it also has some overstability to it. So when I throw it at 80%, I can get maybe get some drift out of it and know that's always going to come back. But if I hit it just right, I know it's going to hold that kind of like pan the whole mm -hmm. way. But the stability in it keeps it from turning and burning like maybe the aura construct 
And so to me, it's it's slightly torque resistant, but definitely overstable in, in what it's supposed to be the flight. Um, and that's why I like it, because I can kind of work with that. And so I think, I guess my challenge here, um, yeah, like somebody just wrote in chat, you want to put, put that up? Um, uh, this one right here? Like, is oh, oh, is neutral, which can be torque resistant, but not overstable. And I think that's a good good clarification to have as well. And it's just, I think a lot of people give, I guess I'm on, I've been on record for this for a long time. People give too much value to numbers, but when you try to understand the numbers, it's something exactly what's written here, which is that neutrality, which is zero, zero, which is like, okay, it's supposed to have no turn and no fade. Um, but that's like thrown correctly, I guess, <laughs> for lack of better words. Because yeah. there's a lot of people that just like, like, uh, oh, when people say something like is understable, oh, this is an understable run of this disc, and they're they're forcing it on off angle torque on Anheuser, and been like, why didn't it come back? That's so flippy. It's like, no, it's not flippy. It's a bad angle, off angle torque, and a full rip in Anheuser. Like, most discs aren't going to come back that way, which is why, you know, the big distance line in pros. They need such overstable discs is because that's their max flight where it's like finally starting to come back and they can experience that. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, I couldn't find a multi for you, Cody. Just, it's in there. Just log there off, somewhere. Josh. Just log it's, off. You're done. Did, I did find did? one. Th- oh, I did. I did find one thing that you might like though. There we go. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, Josh. <laughs> Josh. Oh, you got me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to Vegas, guys. Did one of you two keep our tally up the score? No, not yet. I'm gonna post it in the on the. I mean, who won? Page. Well, I mean, Cat. So there's. I had Cat on my team. <clears throat> I think I got. I got. You got nothing, Josh. I know. Yeah, got finger go back to no. where you came from. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know I didn't have Ricky there, which hurt. I didn't have Paige Pierce there, that hurt. Weren't you the one that was like, Cody, you picked a team of people that are never going to be at events. And look (laughs) look at what happened. Josh, show him. Show him what you got for Paige. Show Paige what you have for him. They want Josh to try to count. We're teammates. Are the Mo ones more? (laughs) Yes. Overstable? What? I heard they were flippier. All right. Auras are so flippy. Mine is like yeah. Heiser to woo. My aura animus like flips and burns. It's quite weird. <laughs> yeah, once but, it gets beat in, that's what they do. It's not even that beat in. Well, but, you're just too strong, Daddy. I keep trying to bring us back to Vegas, guys. No, Josh is you trying to count, high, and it's over yelling. five. So Josh is too busy. He's like, oh, I can't. I'm gonna do it with my hands. <laughs> well, you that. know, my girl Miss Missy got second. That's what I care about. She got second place. <laughs> Do you but need me to make another Google gonna... form for you? What do you no. need me to do? No, I don't need a Google form. What I do need is to recognize that Katrina Allen is going to be a driving force this season. I can see it. It's going to happen. Is she a driving force every season? That's like, I mean, okay, okay. Hey, the she... sun is going to no, be no, no. a uh-uh. twirling vortex no. of fire. Ooh. No, that's, that's not necessarily true because she's there's more competition now. But I still feel like Katrina Allen is going to hold it. She's going to hold her position. Yeah, There's a lot of young players coming to in. Not be a driving force. She's still top three FPO. 
She's never fallen off of that. And she's every like, year, no it can change. Every year can change. Yeah, but you're stating the obvious, like, like, hey, you know what? Paul McBeth might not have been top three, but he's still going to be a driving force this year. Like, of course, Paul McBeth is. He hasn't shown. (laughs) There's a reason that you two have made the list. What list? Your little shit list? Like, little freaking. All right, Paige. (laughs) We'll see if you are laughing in 20 years. (laughs) I'll be dead by then. People, I'm going to slap. I I'm across the country. If you want to, I know, but you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. If Paige you drive all the way here, I'll let you slap me. I don't even care. I won't stop you. Slap we away. Make it out. We we you didn't know, do like a live on site with the three of us. We're just meet in the in Midwest. Maryland. Who who do we know in the Midwest? If you if you ever work up the courage to slap me, I will take it wholeheartedly <laughs> because you know oh, I probably nice. have earned that ten times over, but. Oh. For there's sure, not a lot I'll of, you to slap yeah, him. There's like not a lot of people that are brave enough to slap me. So, Josh, if you ever you ever do that, I will I will absorb it and absorb I, it. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly gladly retaliate with a slap back, or he gets one free slap. That's what I'm saying. Like if I he works free. with the curse, you slap me. He will have a free slap, and I will not retaliate. Then slap him, Josh. Next time you play, that's, I'm talking. Make it look like those Russian hand slapping competitions. Just like right. line it up, <laughs> put some baby powder on, oh. it, and just. See if you can knock him out. Let's engage chat a little bit. Let's engage chat a little bit. There's a very hot take. We're talking about slapping Paige Hurtado. There's nothing in the chat that's better than this. I want to slap your face off. It's Hurtado, not Hurtado, you lazy ass. Say Canada. Say potato. Potato? (laughs) Tomato. Tomato. And just sing a song here. Where's this hot take at? Where's this hot take? It's the Alex V. That's a hot take? No, the one above it. I bet Paul wins a tournament this year. That's yeah. not that hot of a take. That's Paul's... as hot as Josh's take about Katrina being a driving oh, force. Shut the fuck. Oh my <laughs> god. Katrina <laughs> Allen's gonna throw a frisbee to t- this year. No. Hot uh, take. You know what? She's gonna play for DGA. Hot take. I don't even know why I come here anymore. Calvin oh, Heimberg might win one you tournament this year. Too. Hot take. I did. Oh, up. thank you, Facebook user. I needed that laugh. You know, no, no, no. Stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> They're laughing at bullshit. you, Josh. <laughs> you know what? I don't give. I don't care. Josh is right, gonna have... turn off Facebook chat. He's gonna. Drink. No, I got a free slap. I got a free. I'm gonna go live for on oh. Jammers in the Rough for a split second. Just go live on my phone. Slap <laughs> pages with some baby powder, and then end live. With baby powder, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> just get I'm like a, a I'm gonna Nico. I'm gonna get so I'm gonna, just like Nico, just recover. No, like it. Gannon Burr, just powder that thing up and just <laughs> dump truck him in the face. <laughs> what were uh, we talking about? We really did go off the rails there for a little bit. Yeah, we did. We're supposed now to be talking about Vegas. Talk we talked a lot about MPO and kind of how it shook down and the excitement. FPO was a uh, was a tough watch this year, and I think uh, I wanted to make note like commentary was kind of like hit or miss from time to time which is i think always a a tough spot with fpo especially when you have like good commentary come mpo and then uh the putting you know i like i think it's Mm. tough like like i try to give like evelina benefit of the doubt because i know they practice because especially when like you know because it's so like close to being like all of last year so it's easy to jump on evelina and then you watch Paul McBeth step up to circle one, day one, miss that putt. Um, you watch, like, you know, all of the people in lead card miss circle one putt. So then I gave them, give them benefit of the doubt of being like, okay, it's not Evelina. 
it's just universal. But man, it was that's probably one of the toughest tournaments to watch putting wise. And I didn't is realize like at that point, is it it's gotta be all mental because she's from like me to this door and she's like air mailing it. Yeah, it's but it's bad. not just my point is like it's just not Evelina though. It was everybody like yeah. oh man, I didn't see so many missed putts. But I just feel like Evelina had it the worst. Oh, I believe it. Just, but I yeah. think it's also like magnified because not only was it the worst, but it's magnified because you have an entire last year of of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it just starts to be magnified more. Like, if you have like when Eagle was melting down, uh, when it led to him breaking his knuckle, it's like, oh man! Eventually, you're just kind of rolling your eyes and being like, okay, cool. Like every time the Castro takes forty five mm-hmm. seconds to a minute, you're just like, okay, here we are again. So Evelina for me was that missed putt, missed putt. And it's just like, oh man, this is hard to watch. My point is just like everybody was tough to watch putting this weekend. Yeah, no, it was. So, but it was a good, you know, it's a good first tournament. I think FPO and MPO were fun to watch. Everyone had their, their breakdowns. You know, yeah. the MPO had a problem with drives. FPO had a problem with putts. But it was mm-hmm. still fun to watch them finally get some live. Oh, yeah. And that was a lot of I feel like for a golf course, like, it wasn't a terrible watch. Mm-hmm. I think that was something that – it was exciting all the way through, like, a different lead card every single day. Anyone, like, even, like, FPO, you had that big push where I was like, all right, let's go, Ella. Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And it's like, mm-hmm. hazard. It's like, okay, Ella's out. Uh, Missy Gannon, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Oh, Missy's out. Oh, Katrina's in. Katrina's out. Katrina's in. You know, it's like that – it was a good wave. I really like this, that, like this yeah. tournament. Is that driving forest from Katrina? What can oh, I say? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should move on. We're getting top of the hour. We should move on to our final thoughts here. Oh, Josh, keeping us on. So, Cody, start us off. I'm still just thinking about slapping you upside your face, but... I mean, oh, you, you don't get a freebie, Cody. You don't no, get a freebie. I just want to watch it. I just want to see it. <laughs> just want to see it. Uh, um... <laughs> Hot take. Well, no, I'm not hot taking my take of the night, <laughs> even with the wind, some of the poor play, some of the uh, hits by spectators and carts disc golf is back. People, how exciting is that page? Hurtado is just taking <laughs> off his headphones. He can't hear me. So I'm just going to talk trash about him. Uh, he's just a terrible person. That's my that's my hot take for that's the night. That's your hot take. That Paige is a terrible person. All right. Oh, Paige is back. He's a wonderful All right, Josh, man. Go ahead. He throws very well. Oh, no, I, I heard everything. I just couldn't I couldn't stomach it, so I had to like mute it all. Man, I don't um, you didn't even listen to my my final <laughs> thoughts about being excited that disc golf is back. Even with all the poor things, we should be excited that disc golf is back. It's true. You're not we a lover of the game, Paige. You're just a hater of Cody. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am no, number one fan of Josh and number one enemy of Cody. That's why we. That's You're why the we were asked me to do this podcast. What is happening here? <laughs> I still have the Facebook message. Join me, friend. Join me in Join our me. excursion to Jammers in the Rough. Excursion. Rough. 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 You like type it four times. Rough. Enter. Rough. Enter. Rough. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. What are your closing thoughts? Um, yeah, first I want to say I love that we all three of us kind of have different opinions and flick each other's shit and still hug at the end of the day. That's why I love you two very much. And I love bullshitting with you guys on this 
on this podcast. With that said, though, um, last week, yeah, last week uh, when we had the the TSA captains on, we see Jerry Ann and Alex and Lurch want to do a giveaway of the new disc. Say it, Page Coalesce. The coalesce. coalesce. I thought it was the construct. It was the. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Construct. You're right. You're right. It's the construct. See, coalesce look, sounds like me. medicine for like your bowels. <laughs> get some coalesce. Oh. See, I was thinking yeah. like it sounds like a, a Derek Zoolander commercial. Coalesce. Yeah. <laughs> you see him. So, so the Maria <laughs> Oliva construct. Uh, there's two of them, and the drawing was done earlier. I just want to announce the winners of that. Uh, the U.S winner was randy Steele. um the challenge was to do your your best thomas gilbert pose where you hold your disc where's this one you hold your disc like this and give them a little pose take your photo of it like um, randy randy Steele um got the u.s one so he can reach out to lurch um to get that it looks like the canadian winner was clay place wait no was and Clay Place Jones, three names. I'm assuming Clay Place Jones, um, one in Canada. So reach out to to Jerry Ann, and she'll be able to get you that disc as well. So congratulations to you too on winning that contest. We got a lot of fun, a lot of fun uh, pictures were posted with everyone doing their Thomas Gilbert pose. So it's fun to watch. All right. Well, so for me. I think I've been thinking a lot lately about luck and unluck or bad luck. Yeah, um, unluck is not a word. Unluck. Let's unluck, let's just strike it's, that. It's now a word. It's, well, it's unlucky word. is unlucky was, but I think bad luck, luck. There's, I don't know the way I boil it down to. I think a lot of people give a lot of credit to these lucky and unlucky things, um, and they definitely play a factor in a lot of things. I'm not somebody that says like I don't believe in luck because that's very real but i do also believe in choice and when people like choose to do certain things um they they accept the the possibilities of some of these things happening right so like when a goose flies out of the air and smacks your disc down that is very unlucky but when you throw out of bounds and fail to skip in bounds that's not necessarily unlucky that's just a bad shot um but I think a lot of people are quick to to blame these outside factors for things that happen. And I've been having, like, like I said, I've been thinking about it a lot. And it's not just like this LVC because it's happened at Goat Hill where it was like, oh, I'm so unlucky that I rolled away. And it's just like, well, no, maybe it's a good thing and learn how to land flat. You know, you you throw, you, you putt on severe hyzer and then you catch edge and rolled away. And you're like, why am I so unlucky? It's like, because maybe you should have, you were uncommitted on your putt. Maybe you should have learned how to land like a little bit flatter of a disc or whatever, you know. And I think my 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 focus here isn't to say that luck doesn't exist. It's more of less like making sure that you're given rational reasoning and understanding for when these things happen to better yourself as a player, you know. So, like I said, if you throw it on hyzer and it rolls away, you knew that was an option when you putted it because I'm pretty sure everybody has thought about like, okay, this is a death putt. If I miss, I go down the hill. You take the putt, you miss, and it goes down the hill. You're not saying, oh, how lucky I am. You knew that was a factor in that putt. You choose to be uncommitted or overcommit and pull your putt, and now you're all the way down this hill 
So call it for what it is, because I think that's going to help you grow as a player more than blaming these outside factors and outside entities. Um, so well, that's that's kind of my my closing thought of the day. Um, it's terrible. Start to realize well, why you do things and 100% commit to your choice. Uh, looks like you uh, you learn from the best when it comes to disc golfing. Yeah, and I'm the best. Mm. No. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, it's just for me, it's just a closing thought because like a lot of people, especially with LVC, are blaming like, oh, how unlucky was that? Like Barella threw his disc directly at two people. You know, there was a, a there was a chance on a part pass. How yeah, unlucky! There was a chance that he was going to hit those people, and he knew it when he threw it because he threw it to people. And if he pulled it, he knew those people were still there. That's not unlucky. That's just, you know, an execution of the shot. Sometimes I always say, like, when I'm out there, like, sometimes I hit the tree I aim for. Why am I going to be upset at that? I was aiming for that tree and hoping my disc broke or hoping my disc flipped and went around it. Um, but sometimes you so square are you it up. saying you're a good enough disc golfer you can hit trees on command? No, I'm just saying sometimes you <laughs> hit the tree. It sounds like you're bragging about you can hit trees whenever you want. That's what it does sound like. But, you know, I mean, you can. I've seen it. So unluck. <laughs> so unluck. That's gonna be my, my next shirt. So unluck. So uh, unluck. But I'm so gonna... for me, it's just like like I said, I'm challenging you guys to give legitimate reasons to why these things happening and owning that accountability is only gonna make you better. So with that, we uh -huh. do have an amazing guest for us next week. We talked to him a little bit about him in this podcast, but lead card featured Scott Withers. Um so Scott Withers is going to join us next Thursday to talk touring, to talk LVZ, to talk anything disc golf related that we can think of throwing at him. So if you guys have any specific questions you want to ask him, please send Josh, myself, or Cody a message so we mm. can get those questions taken care of. The more we plan ahead, obviously, the better the interview goes. There will be some, you know, obviously, engagement uh, we'll have to find some Withers discs to give away. Gators. To kind of hide them. Gators. Um, Did he have a zone? I think he had a zone with, he has a zone with resistance discs, yeah. Mm -hmm. I sent you one, Cody. I was say, I think the one you sent me is a Withers mm -hmm. zone, right? So maybe mm -hmm. you pull that out of one of your boxes and we can do that for the giveaway this week to help hype up uh, Jammers in the Rough. But we can be talking about this afterwards. So with that, guys, I just wanted to let you know that next week we got a special guest. Um... With that, we want to take a few seconds to highlight our sponsor of the week, which is Soul Crusher. Manny does amazing things for players. He's really for disc golfers. He does his own art. He's built, He's making shirts, minis. He custom stamps discs. He has a great working relationship with this mania. And there's just no other like him. He's an amazing individual who I consider a friend, but he doesn't consider me a friend. So Because you don't know how to that. say his name. You can't <laughs> say his name. It's like the never-ending story. Oh my say God. my name, Paige. Say, say it, my name, Bastion. So with that, guys, I'll see you next week. Let's keep elevating the rough and jamming what? it in the oh, rush. We'll see oh, you next week, guys. Don't leave it.